I'd like to read with you this evening from Deuteronomy 28. Now, as I said, we're going to be considering a portion of the catechism that deals with prayer. And Deuteronomy 28 does not immediately deal with prayer, not explicitly. But it does deal with the promises of God to His people. Now, some have taken this. This was written just, just before Moses is taken from Israel just as they're about to cross over the Jordan River and receive the the land that was promised to them, the land that represented the new heavens and the new earth, that represented the, the coming kingdom. And some have taken this to indicate that God dealt differently with Israel of old, that it was based on their obedience rather than on grace, on their doing rather than on Christ's doing. But that's not the case at all. What we see here is God calling His people to trust Him, to rely on Him alone, and assuring them that as they trust on Him, they can be confident that He will meet their needs. But if we were to read on in this chapter, we would see that there are curses too, because the covenant has two sides. Those who don't follow the Lord, those whose lives demonstrate that they don't trust in Him, that they don't live for Him, Well, He'll bring curses upon them. And why? For the same reason that we spank our children when they're young and they do bad things. It's to show them that disobedience hurts and to lead them to repentance, to lead them to a life that is uh, truly trusting in the Lord. So God says to His people through Moses, Now it shall come to pass that if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all His commandments which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations on the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you, because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing upon you in your storehouses and in all to which you set your hand. And He will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to Himself, just as He has sworn to you. If you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in His ways, then all peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will grant you plenty of goods in the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock, and in the produce of your ground, in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you His good treasure, the heavens, to give you give the rain to your land in its season, and to bless all the work of your hand. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not beneath. If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and are careful to observe them, so you shall not turn aside from any of the words which I command you this day, to the right or to the left, to go after other gods to serve them. Precious set of promises and commands, isn't it? Assuring us that God will treat us as a father. 
Now we look this evening at Lord's Day 50. I grieve a little bit that we couldn't make it all the way through the catechism before I departed, but I do find it providential that when I came in 2012, probably the one thing I spoke about more than anything else, the one thing that I urged and emphasized as we uh, worked our way through 2 Corinthians, as we looked at the catechism, as I spoke to individuals, was the need for prayer. In the midst of a crisis, we didn't need division. We didn't need agendas. We didn't need experts, ultimately. We needed the Lord. And so I tried to emphasize, and and I believe God's Word emphasizes, that the most important thing we can do for our own situation, for our loved ones, for the church, is to pray. And Lord's Day 50 emphasizes that same lesson, not in the midst of crisis, but in the midst of our daily life. Give us this day our daily bread. It doesn't get more basic than that. And that's what Lord's Day 50 addresses. What does this fourth request mean? Give us this day our daily bread means do take care of all our physical needs so that we come to know that you are the only source of everything good and that neither our work and worry nor your gifts can do us any good without your blessing. And so help us to give up our trust in creatures and to put our trust in you alone. Amen. Brothers and sisters, beloved of our Lord, Jesus, when he taught his disciples about prayer in the Sermon on the Mount, instructed them and us to ask our Heavenly Father, give us this day our daily bread. That's Matthew 6, verse 11. He taught them to ask for bread, for the most basic provision that our bodies need. And he also said that we should not babble on and on and on like the pagans, reciting lists of needs and desires almost without end. He said, do not be like them, for your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. Now that's an interesting set of commands. On the one side, he says, don't ask endlessly in your prayers for all the things that you need. And then immediately after that, he calls us to ask for the most basic thing that we need. Why would he do that? Well, that instruction serves us well. Because when we take those two pieces of instruction and we put them together, we see that God is restricting us from drawing a wrong conclusion about the purpose of our prayer. On the one hand, it's easy to think that our prayers are needed in order to inform God of something that He doesn't yet know. I remember wrestling with that as a child. I pray for my daily bread. I pray for my clothes. I pray for my parents. I pray for my school. I pray for the church. But what if I forget something? Does that mean that He won't take care of that? That He won't notice that? That it'll slip His attention? But Jesus says, no, your Heavenly Father knows everything you have need of. He answers the prayers that we forget to pray. He knows everything. So we don't have to go on ad infinitum in our prayers. 
Because He already knows. But on the other hand, we also don't need, don't have the right to claim that we have earned something, we have accomplished something in our prayers. That's what the pagans thought. That if they asked their God, or the God who would be able to answer that particular prayer in just the right way, with just the right sacrifices, at just the right time, then surely they would receive the blessing that they sought. If they wanted good crops, they had to give this particular offering to this God at this time. If they wanted uh, success in war, then they had to offer this different God a different offering in a different place. And if they did all of that right, if they crossed all the T's and dotted all the I's, then they would receive the blessing they needed. And Jesus again says, no. The Lord knows what you need. And He will give it according to His grace. In fact, He says in this life... You may not always receive the blessing that you desire. You might receive persecution by kings. You might be cast out of a false church. You might be slandered, as the psalmist declared. But we can trust that God will give us, as we saw this morning, exactly what we need. Jesus is teaching us to pray here so that we can learn something important. It's not because God needs something that we pray for our daily bread. It's because we need something. And specifically, Christ is instructing us to pray for a daily reminder of God's provision. He instructs us to pray for a daily reminder of God's provision. And the first aspect of that is that we need God to remind us to rely on His perfect provision. To rely on His perfect provision. But to see that, we need to back up a minute. Bread, in the Bible and in ancient cultures, was really regarded as one of the most basic elements of one's needs. Both Scripture and life bear that out. In Genesis 3.19, God says to Adam that by the sweat of your brow you will eat lechem. You will eat bread. Right? He's not saying you'll get free meat and vegetables you can pick up at the corner. No, he's saying that all of your food, all of your necessities, you will receive by your hard work. Bread is representative of all that. In Genesis 28, verse 20, it tells of Jacob in a rough situation, fleeing from his brother Esau, heading to a land that he's never seen. He's in doubt of everything, has no idea what's ahead of him. So he seeks God's blessing for his bread. For his most basic need. In Genesis 41, Joseph's story, we hear that a famine fell upon all the lands. So that in every land there was famine, in every land there was hardship, but in all the land of Egypt there was bread. That basic necessity stood as a representative, a token of all that man needs. That's because in every culture, bread is a staple. Whether white bread or tortillas, heavy flat bread or light pastries, bread is a staple because it it fills our most basic dietary need, right? So when Jesus calls us to pray for our daily bread, He's teaching us to ask God to meet our basic needs. To call upon God to meet the needs of our bodies and everything else. That perfect provision is precisely what God promised to give to His people when When we look at those promises in Deuteronomy 28, 
How comprehensive they are. Moses knows that the people are about to enter the land that they've long looked forward to. But it's going to be very different than they expected, right? They've never been there. They've been in Egypt. They've been in Sinai. This group, I mean, they barely remembered Egypt. It's been 40 years. They know an arid wilderness where nothing grows. And they're about to enter a land where everything's different. So he promises, I will bless you. In the city and in the country, I will bless your crops and your livestock. I will bless your basket and your kneading crops uh, trough. I will give you the protection from your enemies and grant you success for the work of your hands. God is the one, not Moloch, not Baal, not any of the other false gods that littered the land. But God, the true God, would provide for them. He focuses on their physical needs so that they know that they won't need to worry. Because ultimately when we worry, we're trusting in ourselves, aren't we? And that's a false God. Now from the very start, that's been a temptation for man. Adam's reliance on himself, on his judgment, is what led to the first sin. And ever since then, men have been tempted by that same sin. Relying on his strength and skill to meet his needs. Relying on his knowledge and insight to get him out of a particular jam. Relying on his planning and plotting to drive on into the future. Our temptation is to trust ourselves and that's a false God. So Jesus says we need to ask our Heavenly Father and we need to do that every single day. Notice that. Young people, notice that. Boy, sometimes life gets overwhelming, doesn't it? You start thinking about college. You start thinking about careers. You start wondering if you're heading in the right direction, you're doing the right things, you're making the right choices, what's going to happen if, what's going to happen when. And Jesus says, pray, give me this day my daily bread. Not tomorrow's bread, not next year's bread, not a whole storehouse of bread. He might do that. He might give us far more than we expect, far more than we even knew we needed. But we ask for our daily bread today. Because every day we need the reminder that it's from His hand that our needs are met. That it's His love that gives us confidence. That it's His ability that brings us on from moment to moment to moment. You see, that reminds us that He is trustworthy, that His provision is sure, and that we therefore have no need to fear, no need to worry at all. That's a big deal. Because if we rely on ourselves, we have every reason to worry. Think of how little you can control your life. Two years ago, a bunch of guys were at work. A bunch of other guys were getting ready to go to work. The sky looked beautiful. And all of a sudden, the sirens started to go off. And before they knew it, two of Vermeer's plants were in ruins. That quick. Look at our nation today. We started the year, everything was fine. All of a sudden a pandemic hits and the whole country shuts down. Who could have foreseen that? Who could have expected that? Who could have planned for that? And no sooner does that begin to ease up than our cities burst into riots and destruction. You see, we're not in control of the future. We can't foresee the future And we 
We deceive ourselves if we think we can. So Jesus says, pray each day for your daily bread so that every day you are reminded, I don't hold tomorrow in my hand. I'm not able to meet the needs of my body, much less of my soul. I'm not able to make plans that are sufficient to provide for all of the contingencies. Only God is. And so I'm going to rely on Him. So that whether tomorrow holds sickness or health, prosperity or poverty, peace or strife, I can be confident that God is the one who holds me in His hand, that God is the one who will provide for my needs, that God will never, ever, ever let me go or let me down. Now that doesn't mean that we don't have the calling to work. He wants us to use the abilities we've been given, to use the opportunities He's set before us. But as we do so, He wants us to remember... What we read in Psalm 121, unless unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Unless the Lord gives profit to your studies, you study in vain, young, young adults. Unless the Lord works in your friendships, those friendships will crumble. Unless the Lord builds your family, mom and dad... That family will fall apart. When we pray for our daily bread, we're being called to remember that it is upon God that we rest for every single thing, upon God that we trust. And it's to God that we give thanks. Unless we're praying to Him daily for our most basic needs, we tend to thank ourselves. I mean, after all, God's providing for us most often by the work that we do. He gave talents and abilities so that you could go out and work. And He gave you the job opportunity so that you could earn money. And He gave you the paycheck in your bank so that you could pay the bills and buy the groceries. And the tendency is to get to the end of the week and sit up a little straighter and say, I've done pretty well for myself this week. But if we're praying every day for our daily bread, then we'll remember. Well, we'll remember what Moses taught Israel in Deuteronomy 28, the Lord will cause your enemies to be defeated. The Lord will command blessing on you, on you in your storehouses. He will bless you in the land. The Lord will establish you as a holy people. The Lord will grant you plenty of goods. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord, it always goes back to Him. He has done it, therefore He deserves all the glory. You see, by teaching us to pray for our daily bread, Christ is teaching us that it is upon God that we rest. And it is to God that we give thanks. And therefore it is always to Him that we must be looking. Of course it's not only about our our bread, is it? It's not only about our physical needs. Our catechism shows us that this prayer also should lead us to ask God to encourage us to strive for complete conversion, for complete turning to God. In other words, as we pray for our daily bread, as we pray for those physical necessities, we're also praying for our spiritual needs. Not just for our food and clothes and day-to-day stuff, but, but for our growth in faith, for our courage, for our trust, for our maturity, for our sanctification. Jesus uses the physical needs of His people to teach them about their spiritual needs. Uses the day-to-day matters to prepare us for eternity. Let me get personal about that for a moment. This congregation has seen that, has felt it. 
Nearly a decade ago, God humbled us deeply, didn't He? We were cast into a crisis that we couldn't have foreseen. At times, we were divided. Every one of us, I think, was deeply humbled. And why did God ordain that hardship? And He ordained it. Nothing happens apart from His will, does it? Why would God ordain that? Well, folks, at the very least, it was to show us our spiritual need. To show us that we don't stand on our own. We don't stand because of what we've done. It's God whom we must trust. His help that we must seek. He's done that with His people throughout history, hasn't He? In the age of the judges... When things seemed to be going along swimmingly and they started to let down their guard and they started to just get along, God would send enemies to oppress them, to bring them low. And what did those enemies do? They caused them to fall to their knees and to pray to God for deliverance. And then He delivered them as He reminded them of where their help is from. In the days of Ahab, God's people fell into a famine. They were deeply afflicted. And why? Because Ahab and Jezebel had led them into into sin. And God wanted them to see that that was the wrong path. And so He humbled them and He drew them out of that. Right? God sends both affliction and blessing to teach His people that their spiritual need is not for themselves. Their spiritual need is for Him. The aim of those lessons, the aim of... And it happens in our day-to-day walk. It's not just those big crises. It's when you run into trouble at work. It's when you had that conflict with your teacher or your professor. It's when you have that absolutely rotten day where it seems like absolutely everything that could go wrong does go wrong and goes wrong horribly and you just want to give it all up. And we all have those days. And God ordained those days for us so that we could be humbled and we could remember where to look. Because I don't know about you, but when I have one of those days, it seems like everything I touch falls apart and pretty soon I'm convinced that I better stop touching things but God did that to his people in the wilderness didn't he all they had ever known in Egypt was slavery hard work under oppressive masters but full bellies plenty of meat in their pots misery all around but they were well fed so God took them out of there Set them in the middle of the Sinai desert where there was no water, there was no crop, there was no... There was nothing. And they what? They rebelled. They said it would be better to have died in Egypt under the oppression of slavery. And God said, no, not at all. You have to trust in me. And He sent them food that they had never seen before. Food that was unique in that they couldn't store it up. They couldn't gather together enough that they could rely on themselves, on their wisdom to store up enough, to prepare enough ahead. No. He said, if you store it up, it's going to be disgusting. Because you're going to have to learn to rely on me for your daily bread. And not just for your bread, not just for your bodies, but for your everything. On the verge of the Jordan River, just a short bit before this passage we read here, Moses told them, this is Deuteronomy 8, 
He humbled you and allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. That daily bread was intended to teach them a spiritual blessing that would last an eternity. And he warns them. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping His commandments, His judgments, and His statutes which I command you today. Lest, when you've eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply, and your silver and your gold are multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied and your heart is lifted up. Doesn't that sound like our culture today? Look how rich you are. how rich we all are how abundant our blessings and he says when you come to that situation beware that you do not forget the Lord your God beware lest you rest in yourself beware lest you think that you're enough You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the power to get wealth, that He may establish His covenant that He swore to your fathers as it is this day. And so Jesus says, pray for your daily bread. So that every day you might remember that that beautifully filled table before you, that didn't come from your hand, it came from the Lord. And that beautiful family around your table, it didn't come from your wisdom and your work. It came from the blessing of the Lord. And that work that wore you out today and the way that you were able to get past that difficulty that drove you to pull out your hair and the the way that you were able to put up with that, that classmate that's driving you crazy, that was the blessing of the Lord. You see, He wants us to learn that lesson and learn it well. In our reading from Deuteronomy 28, He gave us these beautiful promises. But it is prefaced by this. It shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all His commandments, that all these blessings will come upon them. Again, that's not because it's earned. It's because God wants us to trust him to acknowledge that he's our king that he's not just our savior that gets us into heaven but he's also our king who knows what's best for us kids sometimes you're tempted to think your parents are so out of touch they're so clueless about about what's right and what's good and what you should be doing with your time and with your friends but they know a lot more than you think And maybe the reason they get so upset with you when you do certain things is because they've done those certain things and they know how high the cost is. And that's what God is doing with us. He's teaching us. Trust me. Don't go your own way. Don't plot out your own path. But follow the path that I have set before you because that's the right way. That's the best way. And that's the way I have ordained to provide for you. Only God Himself can provide what we most truly need. Only He can give us the bread that sustains our body. Only He can turn the course of this great nation. This nation doesn't need Democrats and it doesn't need Republicans. This nation doesn't need socialism and it doesn't need pure democracy. The greatest leaders in our nation, they weren't great because of their charisma and they weren't great because of their political ability. 
they were great. The truly great ones. Because they saw how limited they were. Read sometime the prayers and the proclamations of George Washington and how many times he called the nation to humble themselves before God with prayer and fasting. Look at Abraham Lincoln and how divisive he was until he was humbled in the middle of the Civil War. And he finally fell to his knees and acknowledged that God was the only one who could fix this nation. And he called openly upon the nation to pray to God for, their, for His blessing because there was no hope for this union unless God blessed it. Only God, sought through Christ, is able to meet the needs of this nation. Only God, sought through Christ, is able to meet the needs of your family. Only God, sought and trusted in through Christ, is able to provide for you in every day, in every circumstance. Jesus taught us to pray for our bread today. But the lesson of that instruction is infinitely greater. Because ultimately, He's not talking about the provision for our bodies here and now. He's encouraging us to strive for complete conversion. Encouraging us to turn away from our own abilities, our own needs, our own insights, and to look to Him through His Word, by His Spirit, in His church, among His people. We need His blessing for our daily bread. And we need His living bread Jesus Christ for our eternal life, our eternal provision. And ultimately, that's where this whole instruction turns us, isn't it? You can eat well every single day by the sweat of your brow, the work of your hands. But if you're not trusting in Christ, whom God sent as the living bread from heaven, if you're not looking to Him to use every circumstance, young people hear this, if you're not looking to Him to tr- turn and transform every single circumstance in a way that will guide you and bless you and mold you in the way that He wants you to go, then it's all for nothing. It's all for nothing. So tomorrow morning when you pray, and I pray that, or I hope that you Pray every single day. When you pray, give us this day our daily bread. Stop. And ask, what does that mean? Don't just say the words that you've known since you were littler than you can remember, but ask, what does that mean? And remember that Jesus is teaching us about our true need, our ultimate need, our deepest need. Which is not only that God will fill our bodies, but that God will bless our every effort, that God will bless our every opportunity, and ultimately that God will draw us each day in every circumstance to Christ. That our love for Him might deepen, that our trust in Him might be strengthened. That our likeness might reflect His. Let us pray it fervently. And may God fill us body and soul with the bread that we most truly need. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, we so desperately need Your help, Your blessing, every moment. Apart from Your care, we are 
without hope. But with your blessing. There's not a thing that this world can throw against us that will not turn out for our good. Father, we pray that you would teach us those lessons. And that you would cause us to cherish the opportunity to pray each day for our daily bread. Learning each day about your perfect provision for body and soul. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. In closing, we always have a a song that relates closely to the sermon. I kind of called an audible on that this evening. Because... This is the last time I get to preach to you for a while. Hopefully for a while. The elders will let me back in the pulpit. And it's number 473, which we sang Wednesday night as well. It's such a beautiful prayer that we can pray for each other. Asking God to pour out His blessing upon us, even in our absence. Remembering that we are in fact one through the Holy Spirit. And that we get to spend eternity together. So with that in mind, let us stand and sing together number 473.